Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who also stands around in parks and laughs, but doesn't seem to be appreciated for it. It's it's really I'm the Adam Glass, and I figured out the problem. It's because I don't have other people standing around. <laughs> right, right. You me. do it alone, and just just it also just doesn't guy. help that I don't I don't switch up my laughter. I just stand in the park. And I have I have one particular laugh ah, ah, that I use. Ah, ah, ah. Nah, nah, it's it's, it's more of a. <laughs> <laughs> I can see where where people might be upset. Here's here's my thought process in the in the documentary. It tells you yeah. that like oh, laughing clubs have started all over the world, and like the one of the last ones is the U.S. And I was like, I don't believe you. <laughs> Like I just was watching the documentary, and I knew I was like, I know the U.S. is going to be on here, but it's like I cannot conceive of. And of course, this movie was made in two thousand one. Okay, so things were a little different. Right. But the idea that any group of people could stand in a park and laugh in America and not be immediately arrested by the cops is inconceivable to me. All all U.S. laughing clubs ended by the end of two thousand one. It turns out. Oh uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, that would not surprise me even a little. <laughs> no. Bit. Like oh, they were all broken up by police. Well, who knew? <laughs> what is that, Joy? Get the fuck out of here! How dare like, you? I think I Joy, think, Joy is anti-war. I right. Move along. Like legitimately, I think, honestly speaking, the ceiling, the the floor for how incredibly rich you have to be. To be able to get away with that in America is so much higher than most normal things in America. Like America's already <laughs> extremely skewed that way to like not get arrested yeah. for something. You had to be pretty wealthy to just to, to cross that boundary. But like this one, it feels like you gotta be making like minimum five mil a year to be able to stand in a parking well, lot. And even then you might get arrested. You might have to cross into the billionaire territory to not be arrested for laughing in a park. Nair herself says that uh, in the introduction on on Criterion Channel to uh, to this one uh, <laughs> to the laughing clubs of of India, uh, she says that they were they started the ones in New York she's familiar with started in Central Park, right? Which there's one of two things happening there. One. Either it is Central Park locals, in which case it is people making that much money, right? Um, right. Uh, the people who actually live, but two parks in New York, generally speaking, parks in New York City are some of the most public spaces still. Left right, in the right, yeah, and I and I get that. I just, I, I, I feel like there's definitely a there's got to be a class component, but I just feel like what I mean is right. like it feels like it would skew more rich than the normal class component to be able to pull this off, just yeah, because no, like. What you're doing would seem so upsetting to so many people, like on right. a fundamental level. Like, right? You know, there's lots of things that happen in parks that, like, people do that are considered like they probably were upset. Like, you know, you see people doing all kinds of exercise in the park and and stuff like that. And what that, but like, it's easily recognizable for what it is. Like, those are that's a group of people doing exercise. A group of people standing around doing organized laughing probably doesn't read yeah. super clear. Right out the gate. So it's going to have to start with extremely wealthy people and then sort of like scale down from there probably. I think I think this is not necessarily an argument against because there is certainly a, a, a class mentality at play here. 
But we are talking about a time frame where you remember improv everywhere. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where, That's true. You're right where, about that. I mean, so maybe the real trick is just being where middle class yeah, white people yeah, were still be able to get away with weird, weird public things. That's true. I, I forgot about I uh, forgot about flash mobs that exi- that was yeah, that was a thing yeah. when we were in high school and college. Yeah, yeah I forgot about There's, that. It's it's hard to like take your mind back to that space where like being a, a yeah. normal middle class, <laughs> you know, like you know, like right, and not just super ultra wealthy with like uh, like. Being a relatively average middle class white person was enough right. to to right. in a certain era of American history. To not, now, now it's like, oh, you want to laugh in public? Better be making a cool like couple mil a year minimum. Yeah. We'll do that. Well, Pat, Pat, let's uh, let's laugh our way into <laughs> the yeah. opening uh, of the podcast. Ha ha. He he ho ho ha ha he he ho ho. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lost in criterion. Over there for just a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. We do a non-criterion film over there every month. Supporters get to vote on what movie we're going to watch. Supporters can also suggest lists if they like or suggest particular movies and we'll craft a list around them. Uh, but then it Falls on the uh, yeah. falls on the person who suggested it to be persuasive enough to actually get that movie watched. If we do end up choosing a movie that was suggested by a supporter, we usually try to get them involved with the episode if timing works out, which is a little tough with Pat and I living on opposite sides of the world already. But uh, it's worked yeah, out we've done it enough, quite and we've talked times. we've t- yeah we've talked with a lot of people about movies they really love, and that's always a fun conversation to have. So. We uh, we watch a pretty eclectic mix of movies over there. We've watched uh, The Americanization of Emily. We've watched Ready Player One. We've watched Now You See Me and Ernest Goes to Camp. It's a good selection, and we have a lot of fun. As I said, just a dollar a month gets you access to all of those bonus episodes, the entire back catalog. There's over 50 episodes over there, and gets you the voting rights. But for a little extra, for $5 a month for folks who just want to Help keep us going a little bit, little bit longer. Uh, we like to thank those people on air. So thank you so much to Eric Coronado, to Stephen Goldmeyer, and to Chris Otto, our current $5 supporters. A little above that, we do something that is pretty special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little personalized note, and mail that off once a month. Uh, Pat's made some phenomenal stuff for it. Not only do you get the Coast Guard, but we also like to thank those people on air. So thank you so much to our $10 and above supporters, Adam Speakerman, Nina Bojnak, Patrick Yako, Mike McGrath, and Jason Westhaber. Yes, thank you very much, everybody. Yeah. If you want to see Pat's artwork, you can head over to redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criterion and check out all of the past postcards. Uh, on a little bit of a delay, I, I like to make sure that the with with the U.S. mail system steadily being killed by the U.S. government always, uh, I like to give 
give people time to right. get the mail. At least four to six I, months. Before I put it online. <laughs> At least four to six months. Sometimes. How long does it take the post to arrive? Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. That's uh, that's what happens when I try to mail you one of them. Yes. It goes to, uh, like, so just, Belgium for some reason. It just disappears in Europe for six months <laughs> yeah, before it shows up, it shows up at your door. Yeah, with, like, 12 <laughs> postal stamps on it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, as I said, that is patreon.com slash lost in criterion to support us. Redbubble.com, search for lost in criterion just to check out the postcards. You can buy them there, too, if you like, but I'm not going to twist anyone's arm into that. I will uh, buy them. Do it. Pat will, and I'll let him. But thank you so much for the support, and thank you for listening. Um, it's worth noting that for some reason, I did, I don't understand how or how this came to pass, but every time you did that, the number of time they a minimum of a few places stamped the, the picture side of the postcard. Oh, that's very weird. Which I'm like, and annoying guys. Like what? Like why would you do that? Like, uh, oh well. Uh, the U.S. Postal Service has a tendency to put a barcode sticker on oh, the picture yeah, yeah, side, I've seen that too. which I guess is to keep it from being on the written side. Right. So I've I've started to try to leave enough room at the bottom of the written side that the the barcode sticker can actually fit down there fit. and not cover up words. Yeah. 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 Anyway, Pat, this week we are talking about, uh, I suppose, section two of the Monsoon Wedding right, yeah. DVD. Uh, last week we talked about the main film, Monsoon Wedding, Mirinaire's, uh film from 2001. But the Criterion release also includes seven short films. We're going to talk about three of those this week, her documentary films, So Far from India from 1983, India Cabaret from 1985, and The Laughing Club of India from 2001. Next week, we'll finish up the DVD with the fiction films <coughs> that uh, mostly uh, came out after the f- main film. Okay. There's one fiction film from 1993, but the rest of the and, stuff is from post-2001. And two of these predate Monsoon Wedding. I don't know about the 2001. I, can't, I don't know whether which one comes first. It, it, it does, actually. Okay. It came out earlier in 2001 because it was production... Production on Laughing Club uh, really, really made her decide to uh, to make Monsoon Wedding. But yeah, that is that is something to start our conversation on. Though it is obvious from the content of these movies that a lot of the ideas that were percolating in her documentary stuff roll up into well, absolutely. the totality of the story of well, Monsoon it Wedding. Really, right? It makes a lot of sense when you start to look at it like, oh, like there's a direct through line of sort of all of these stories into Monsoon Wedding that is, it's like one for one. It makes sense. Every so often, Criterion releases a DVD that makes a lot of sense <laughs> in a really <laughs> right, shocking right. like twist. It's yeah. like, oh, you're going to show us like kind of all the sort of things that lead up to the creation of Monsoon Wedding, all the ideas, that, not all of them, obviously there's a lot more, but uh, a lot of the yeah. ideas that get uh, put into there and, and sort of help to form it. Uh, it's really right, right. fascinating. So, so far from India is, uh, while it focuses on, on the male, it is about an arranged marriage with a man who has moved to America uh, to to work and make money. Um Obviously, a very different character to the husband we get in Monsoon Wedding, but uh, 
but a focus on that clash of culture of modernism of America versus traditionalism in India with India cabaret. We get more of that sort of clash of sexuality versus traditional mores. Um, and with the laughing club of India, it's a pretty modern tale, but, but also of, uh, a cultural critique, right? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You. It, yeah. That one's a little bit like the Laughing Club is a little bit more, I would say, general as compared to the other two. The other two, we directly sort of deal with the those actual topics in in Monsoon Wedding, whereas Laughing Club we're more dealing with sort of an an idea of like how society's changing and the way people well interact with there it. is there is one particular aspect of Monsoon Wedding that laughing club sort of suggested to me and that is the moving past trauma right yeah i can see that club. yeah for sure yeah uh, because there is definitely background trauma uh within the story of monsoon wedding right, right. in in different ways right. too yeah that's right. definitely true and, and i would still say that that sort of fits as more of more of a sort right, of an right, overall right. sort of um kind of feel to the movie rather than like Especially when you talk about um, so far from India, that that feels like we're not directly talking. None of those are the main characters of the movie of Monsoon Wedding, but they are. There's a lot of there are a lot of characters who have immigrated somewhere else, who are central to the way the story sort of forms together, and even the idea that one our our uh, you know. One of our other main, our actual sort of main characters wants wants to immigrate. There's there's a lot of overtones. Like right. like it's sort of an overtone of the movie to right from the beginning is the idea that like oh it's really hard for us to bring everybody together like this. Like it, right. this is a this is a feat of engineering to bring all these people from disparate corners of the of the earth together and actually have an event. Right, right, and we do get scenes in so far from India of. Uh, of that main character returning to right. of a shock returning to uh uh <laughs> to India and we get that that reunion sort of scene too. Um yeah, generally the story is that uh a shock chef is a young man who has moved to New York and is uh running a newsstand in the subway. Uh, and his family, fearful that he would marry a foreigner, yeah, forced him into an arranged marriage right before. Well, see, he that's moved. where it gets funny, though. Is like, yeah, I, it's it's what's really fascinating, and I and this this is something I I'm sort of familiar with from my own life and other situations, and like everybody kind of is right. Is that like everybody's sort of telling a different story, like. Right. He's saying like, oh, you know, like in that intro, like right at the very beginning of the movie, it's like, oh, well, that kind of one that didn't want me to marry a foreigner, so I, I, I meet, I got forced into an arranged marriage. But then the rest of the family describes it as like, I don't know, he went out and found this woman and right, like right. arranged there is, it himself. There we is don't that really aspect. Know I am, like we didn't. I am sort of taking his introduction at face right. value. I it's suppose. just fascinating because like, like we don't, we legitimately don't know. We have f- right. like three, four people all telling slightly different versions of the story any of which could or could not be like because his wife i uh i i can't remember anybody's name because there's no imdp there's no page for this anywhere that i can like <laughs> right, look at to right, reference right. names it's killing yeah me. i can't i can't 
remember her name uh, either, I think unfortunately. Was it Mon- I, I Maybe, but I really have no idea. Yeah, I mean, either way, like, she, yeah, there's not even, like, a, Criterion doesn't even have, like, oh, man, there's, like, no information about this movie out there to, like, look at. Um, I should have taken better notes. And by better notes, I mean any notes, even a little bit. Writ- written down at least one a- any name, words, unfortunately. Yeah, some words. Uh, but yeah, his, I only wrote down one name too. To be so, fair, uh, I don't I know the wrong anybody's one. name, so I'm, right, I'm working right. on sort of a, an equal footing here with regards to people's names in this movie. Um, but yeah, sh- his wife she she tells a slightly different version of the story too, right? Like they're right. all telling sort of their own perspective on it, and like what I'm saying is, is this is some sort of documentary form of Rashomon? <laughs> yeah, a very low stakes version of it, but nonetheless, like. Everybody's telling a slightly different story, and it's really, it's very char- like it's it's a very charming movie. Like it's a, uh, yeah. like it was very impactful. I really was. I didn't know. I I had no. I assumed I knew what it was about, and I, I was fairly on the mark. But like, it was interesting to see because you can kind of read both like the happiness and the sadness at the same time. Like right. on everybody, like everybody, the way everybody talks, it's like. They're really you get a full breadth of emotions from everybody because they're all kind of like, well, we're we're happy that this is working out, but it's not working out exactly as we want it to. We miss each other. It's a, there's a lot going on in this movie. Yeah, and like even with the shock when he's when he's in the U.S., it's pretty clear from what he's telling us and from what he, how he's acting, and we we you know we get text in the movie that says he hasn't written his wife back right, right. in the year. Um, he he wants to be in America for a sense of freedom, right. right? And he wants to inhabit that sense of freedom. But the scenes of him arriving back in India, he is legitimately happy. Yeah, well, exactly. He is not yeah, putting it on like, <laughs> being right. Uh, um, and maybe that might be a fleeting happiness of just returning to the place where he has not been. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he does actually. You know, it, it, I don't. I do not get the impression in his interactions we see with his wife and child that he does not love them. Right, yeah. Or that he does not feel affection for them at all. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, right, is it's like it's hard to, you know, and I'm sure, and we see this in in the film itself, but, like, it's very hard to actually sort of, like, isolate your emotions and sort of separate them out into like and identify right, who is related to what emotion and things like that right like you know when we see him in New York he is clearly enjoying the freedom but he also looks very stressed at the same time right he looks tired whereas when we see him in India he looks happier more relaxed but he also looks a little pinned in at the same time he does look like he's suffering from That's like fair. he's surrounded by a lot of people all the time who want his attention and things like that. And right, like, right. it's a very, it's a very relatable thing. Like it, you know, it, like what he's going through and like what the other people in the movie are going through too. Right. Like you can see that, you know, his sisters are happy to see him, but they're also kind of like disappointed that like things aren't going as sort of the way it was all planned for them to go kind of to a certain extent. Like, like, his wife should be in America with him by now. She shouldn't be at the house anymore, you know? And, and you get a little right. bit of like, it's fascinating because the movie even rolls in just a little bit of like 
Indian history too, right? Like, well, recent history, but history nonetheless, where they talk about like what their, you know, the older sisters recalling what their life was like before independence and and things like that right. too, and like how much that all changed for them as well. It's just sort of a weird, not weird. I, I say weird just because it's a background. It's only a background note in this movie. Like it's not. Right. It's never the focus, but it is. It is important background information because it defines why, for example, he might need to go to America and things like that. Right. Right. And there's, you know, probably an unspoken aspect that, you know, this is someone who has gone to America and gotten a job selling magazines at a newsstand. There are probably people that his family knows who've gone to America for uh, much more prestigious and higher earning right, right, jobs. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so so the Senate, the the son going to America is as comes up in Monsoon Wedding, uh, an aspect of that is to have the funds to care for the people who stay behind, right. and he is not someone who is bringing in enough funds to really care for anyone left behind. And so, what his role has taken on instead of that is, as they sort of describe it from his wife's family's perspective, is like as an anchor, right? Like he's he's right. there to pull other people to America right, who right. and which which is another is a different but very real immigrant experience it's like well yeah one of us alone can't maybe gather enough funds to do anything but if we get enough of us in a place we can actually make something happen we can do right. things that are more meaningful because we can act collectively on for for some sort of result that we desire um i i used to work at a hotel here in Columbus and Many of my coworkers were um, Ethiopian or Somali men mm-hmm. who had come to the U.S. Uh, and were working two or three jobs mm-hmm. in order to earn enough money to bring their wives, right, essentially. Right. Um, yeah, some of them, some of them left not only a wife but children behind right. too. Uh, and yeah, uh, it is uh, an experience I'm familiar with from from their experience, from talking to them, from working with them. Uh, and they were, you know, they were. There was one whose nickname was Teacher because that's what he did, used to do, and now he's a valet at a hotel. Right, right. right. <laughs> you know, back back in Ethiopia, he uh, was a high school teacher and moved to America. He did not have. The ability to get that job right. in the U.S. Right. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he's working uh, a newsstand because that was his lot in life back in India either. Right. You know? Right. But, yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing is, is what he's doing. it's weird. Be- like, it's a little strange. Not strange. It's a little. It, it causes a little bit of ponderance because. He he definitely they definitely do know people who have better jobs in the United States, but it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like he feels like this is a dead like a dead end or anything like that. Like it seems to, like I don't know. We don't really talk about what his plans are, but it but right. you get the impression that he must he has some sort of idea of where he wants to go from here because. It doesn't. He doesn't seem to have the despondence of somebody who's like, "Oh no, like I'm stuck at this newsstand. I'm never going to make enough money to." Right. Right. Like now, he does say he doesn't make right, enough he money says now, to afford a place that they can right. live. But 
But yeah, you don't get the impression still... he's like, oh, this is never going to work. Like he's he still seems right. hopeful that. And it's he definitely going to work. he definitely doesn't seem to be in the position of not actually wanting his family to join. Right, him. right, right, right. So that's yeah. I mean, the, um, the film uh, th- uh, Miranair even sort of pries in that direction a little bit. She she prods and pokes right, that that right. that thing a little bit to see what they're and like. By the time you're done, you're like, no, he wants to make this work. But he's also kind of like we're we're rapidly headed into like uh like Ebenezer Scrooge territory where it's like I I say it just because I that you know it, yeah where it's like well well I'm never going to have enough money to make this a good experience right, that's going right. to make me and everybody comfortable right like right at some point it seems like by the time we get to the end of the movie he's like well, I'm just gonna it almost feels like he's just like he kind of. Make, like there's like kind of like the two little bits at the end of the movie. He goes like, basically you get the like, oh, I'm just gonna do it, and then like right at the yeah. very end, it's like in about a year. <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> right, like, oh, right, oh, right. You were right, so close. Right. Like I get and, it. Right? And, you Why know, would you want to bring your family of, to a place where they're just going to where they're going to suffer? Right? Like where it's where they're be going really to suffer. Extremely right. uh, like one hundred percent. That is that is absolutely you know the the experience I have with with those men. Uh, that I've already mentioned about. I have a, a very dear friend who who um, is born and raised in America. Um, is uh, but he is, has married an Ethiopian woman, and he has spent the last few years going to grad school while also right. <laughs> trying to make sure he has the resources that she can have a comfortable life when she moves here. Um, and she has moved here, and it has definitely been a stressful yeah. situation. Um, but yeah, I was it his dad who was talking about movies. It was a very fascinating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was just flipping through this journal of movies he had seen, yeah, I think and it, it was, was such an eclectic mix. It was beautiful. Like he he flips, uh, he, like he just mentioned Sanders of the River in passing, then starts talking about this Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire yeah. movie. Talks about the beauty of Crime and Punishment and compares it to The Bicycle Thieves, and it's. It's just really, I don't know why Nair chose to put it in, but I'm so happy that she did. Yeah, I wonder, like, (laughs) I think there's probably something sort of pseudo, sort of metatextual there about, like, you you kind of, like, wonder if, like, with a guy that sort of obsessed with movies, if, like, in some way he's directly related to how this all came about in some way or, or something like that, you know, like I yeah. we don't know. We I mean, don't I'm know sure. what her connection to this family is at all. Like it's not explicitly right. stated in here, but you kind of wonder, right? Like, well, there's this real big movie buff in this family. And here we are with like, you know, a relatively yeah, but, young well, film director. The, it makes you at wonder. At the same time, there's if, if it is coincidental that they are could, involved with one another, but this guy also says, "Oh, I really love movies, and you're shooting a movie. Let me talk to you about movies I love." Right. That's also is the, a very. Yeah, it it's a, go either direction. Right. It, it's right. It's just a and like, and like if part of your goal is to just really make sure the audience understands how human all the people they're watching are. Right. You know, right. like a, a a guy with a a pretty intense hobby is very, very human. <laughs> right. It's a very. I really. It makes yeah, you understand. Would, 
And he it could would, also make you understand like why he might support like your kid their kid going to America to like seek their fortune and stuff, right? Like yeah. you get into sort of these like sort of like relatively low level soft power discussions right. about like, well, why might he have an amenable view of like going overseas or something like that? You know? Yeah, but not even you know, what not, most of the movies he mentions are Western generally speaking right, right. i don't know what crime and punishment he might be yeah, talking about yeah. particularly yeah i mean they're not necessarily um, specifically american but what i mean is like it's very easy like i i this is a thing i i deal with with on work all the time is like it's very and we do it all the time as americans for other places it's very easy to start lumping huge swaths right, of the right, earth right, right, sort right. of a, <laughs> yeah. a general miasma of that place over there uh right. that, like you know that you you actually, if you sat down and really thought about it hard, you could definitely separate them all out and understand like, well, this is from this place, this is from this place, and this is from this place. But in the back of your mind, it sort of just sits there as a sort of lump that's all put together. Again, Americans do it constantly. Uh, right. The only difference is Americans are kind of trained to have not very positive views of most of the places that are being lumped together in the back of their heads. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, I I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, I mean, because he's not naming specifically a lot of American films or anything like that. But right, the idea of your child going overseas to like, I can see there's a world where it's kind of easy to understand where you start thinking. Well, like, I mean, all these things I like came from a place somewhere over there. Maybe it's not so bad if you go over there and see what happens. But also, like, lots of people are going to America at the time, right? Like. We get a, a yeah. running list from some of the, I think one of the sisters or someone, I forget who, of like all the people who have gone overseas. And it's like, well, there's 50 people from this village, 50 people from here, 50 people from there. It's like, that's a lot of people. Like, that's yeah. a lot of people going to America to seek their fortune. Interestingly, there was a 1973 Indian production in Toluga of Crime and Punishment and a 1974 Indian production in Hindi of Crime and Punishment. Uh, so he could be he talking could be. about either Absolutely. of those. Man, there's uh, he so took, many. He could be talking about the, the miniseries starring John Hurt from 79. He could be talking about the Finnish version from 83. Uh, all of that timing really works hope it's out the as version. recent ones. Uh, but, I mean, that's... There's a million those are punishment. There's just so many. Yeah, and there are already dozens by 1985. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah, be talking uh, about any of them. Yeah. Um, or all of them. Yeah. Maybe he's seen them all. <laughs> maybe, all of them. maybe maybe he watched a single supercut of every, <laughs> every crime, every and, crime punishment. and punishment up to that oh. point. Uh, but yeah. Um, is it an older sister or the wife? I sort of lost track of what woman was what woman, unfortunately, uh, by the end of this. But the person who delivers sort of the closing of the film talking about the difference between America and India uh, being humaneness. Oh, I can't. That there's I, money in America, but there's humaneness here. I'd have to watch it again here. because yeah. my issue is that, like, I don't... Be, we, a problem with documentaries, and we've talked about this before, is I, I, I love it when they give us documentaries. It's so refreshing. Right, right. But a problem with documentaries is because they're all just people. They don't have the sort of intense eccentricities that like characters in movies have that help you sort right. of separate them out. The only reason we can identify the one dude is there's only like really our main our main subject <laughs> right, right, right. in this movie for that. But like uh I uh I can't 
If I watched it, I would know immediately. But like off the top of my head, right? Yeah, I think it. I think it was the wife, but I really can't. I I can't I remember can't. anymore. But yeah, that that I think it was too. I I believe that's true because I believe we do close on her. Yeah, sort of yeah. trying to kind of sort of redelivering the sort of almost the thesis of the movie. Right. Uh, well, the thesis of of her relationship, at least I guess. Well, right. Well, but what but, I yeah. mean is like we're talking about. Talking about how there's there's jobs there, but humaneness there. So you can everyone's like, "Come on, brother, let's go and make some money, and then come back here and live in peace." Right. Well, uh, and, and, but then closes with God knows what's their what their problem is. <laughs> it's very good. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what I'm saying is that I I mean like I it's it's hard, if you had to identify exactly what this movie is, it's it can't it's not exactly easy because like a doc all documentaries it has that sort of a little bit of a jumble there, but like it does feel like in the end, that's kind of a thing we get from him. It's a thing we get from his wife. It's a thing we get from a lot of different people in this movie right. is this idea that like, yeah, America's great for freedom and for like making money, but like, look how much happier everybody is here than there. Cause like Nair also shows us a lot of scenes of America where people are kind of like, you know, it, we see like the American right. subways. The American subway, ne- no one ever looks happy. There's never, there's never a happy individual <laughs> there. I'm trying to remember. Is it? I can't. Which documentary was it that shows us like the bustling streets of India? Of like, was it this one? No, I don't think uh, this well, one doesn't uh, intercut those in. It's laughing, one of the other ones, right? Laughing Club opens with right, that, right. at least. Right, right. Because um, Laughing Club sort of that's part of their their sort of thesis statement is this: they show us like how intense like day to day life can be, right. which is fascinating when you consider that like this movie in 1985, she's in many ways talking about how much more kinder and humane and gentle India is than New York City. But then by the time right. we get to Laughing Club, the, it's it's this sort of like kind of not opposite, but it starts in a different place where it's like, well, life here well, is really intense and really too much. So people are finding ways to cope with it. And it's like, well, <laughs> that's one thing. One thing about India Cabaret is and, and actually I, I think I made this mistake and you repeated it uh, so far from India is 83. Oh, okay. India Cabaret is 85. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But so far from India ends with this dichotomization of America being where the soulless place where you make money and India being where you can use that money to actually enjoy living. Uh, whereas India, like it's a morality thing. Right. Uh, whereas India Cabaret is well, yeah. the same time period about how <laughs> uh, India is also full of <laughs> prudish uh anti-sex anti-women right. attitudes and, and talking about that. the idea that like it also forces people to just do things to make money that they're not necessarily particularly right. happy about or comfortable with but right. you do it right. because you right. have to make money to live whereas two years earlier that movie like explicitly uh so far from india states the idea that you don't necessarily need to have a job to live and be happy in India. Like one of the sisters straight up says like, right. St- makes right. a statement like, Oh, like e- there you have to have money to have food and things like that here. You don't have to have money to have those things. And it makes you wonder like, has his family to a certain extent, clearly they have, but like, have they retained some of 
even though through independence, everything like that, like all those old systems were disrupted, it still seems like to a certain extent they've retained some level of privilege in society that sort of make isolates them from experiencing things the way other people experience them. Like in right. terms of like, oh, you don't need, you don't necessarily need to have money and a job to have to have food. It's like, is that true? Like, because <laughs> I, I feel like two years later we get a we get a pretty serious yeah. like. Well, there is argument that that's not true. <laughs> there is a great moment of a shock in New York, uh, having lunch with a friend of his, where where he he makes a dumb joke about how all his life he's eaten eggs. And now he's finally eating their moms and dads. Right. <laughs> and the other guy just like rolls his eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, it's there. It, that implies a level of subsistence living. Right. That he might have been used to, uh, which is, uh, they are living in an urban environment. So that is less likely to be true right uh, that they can just sort of survive because they don't really have land to work right uh, it doesn't seem but yeah it doesn't it does not seem like they're work they they do not seem to be farming in any in any capacity right. like but i what i wonder is, is like i wonder how much old social structures play into something like that that like i who knows like but they 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 clearly somebody in that family has a has a way of making money because they're not Right, right, They're, right. Like, they are not out on the street begging for money in this movie. Like, right. And I mean, it is it is possible that whatever money he might be sending back is supporting. It's possible, yeah. All six or seven of them. Uh, that might have been. I mean, it might still be possible, honestly, but it seems more likely to have been possible in 1983. Yeah, I mean, given the way today, yeah, currency but... and stuff works, like, yeah, it's definitely a thing I was very familiar with as a young when I was younger, and like, it seems like it would be so much much harder to do now. Yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, India Cabaret uh, is. Is also a phenomenal movie. It, all three all, of these are phenomenal documentaries. I, I mean, they really are. Uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed these first two more than I enjoyed Laughing Club. I, I yeah, mainly just because Laughing Club felt like it made a it made a statement and then it sort of dragged on on that. Like, I, I somehow Laughing Club felt longer than the other two, despite being That's... half the time of it. Because it's like, well, we it's like it throws this idea out there and then it's like. Now we've got this idea here, and I have to just keep like re rehashing the same idea over and over and over again. Whereas all the other ones yeah. have a sort of sort of progression, I'll, sort of story like progression to them. I'll say there is a there is a progression in Laughing Club that I appreciated that I thought was interesting. In that we get this. So first off, the background on Laughing Club is that uh, Nir was traveling in India, had gone home, and. Uh, got stuck in traffic and in discovering, uh, seeking out what was causing the traffic jam, discovered a group of 2,000 women blocking traffic, just laughing. Uh, and you know, in looking at what this was about, uh, she decided to make a documentary about people who take laughter seriously right. is, is the framing she gives. But one... 
one, I think it's interesting because it was like a movement. And while right. the doctor behind the movement is featured, it's never really talked about as as Lord of his iteration of laughing yoga as much. Right. You know, a little bit. They talk about it spreading and, and the different groups popping up all over. But it it's I don't know. I just feel like in real life it's more organized than the documentary suggests that it is. Um but there is a turn in that one that I thought was very interesting. And that is essentially we get to a midpoint where we get a series of scenes where everyone we've met so far uh, who has been involved with and enjoying and talking about the community of the Laughing Clubs presents their tragic backstory and right, how right. how joining joining the Laughing Club is also helping them move past a trauma of the past. Right, right. and that's that's a good twenty minutes into it. So there is there is that change. And as such, there is an amount of, I guess, plot building. To, yeah, I, to get yeah, to I get what you're saying, and I and that's I don't like I don't dislike it or anything like that. I just think that like even in that, it, it feels. How do I explain this? Like the other I two think, feel like human drama, whereas this feels right. more like a like a like a, a series of case flip, studies or reports or something. Like, right. It's like the flip side of it is that we do just see the leader of the laughing clubs going to a bunch of different disparate right. places and starting <laughs> and 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 holding his laughing club in schools in uh homes for the blind uh as a therapy for a catatonic man um yeah and each and one, I felt each one of I felt interesting like, and right yeah and and moving too right. I thought but but you were right to say it seems more episodic. Yeah, than... and, and and that's I I so I didn't like not connect with it, but like when you t- when I talk about documentaries and like liking them to a certain extent, I I do better with the first two than I do with the last one. With with just like I my the documentary doesn't have to have a story; it just has to feel like there's time progression. You know what I mean? Like. I don't like the idea that people feel like they yeah. need to add a story to their to their documentary. That's like not necessarily a good thing because that and that that encourages the documentarian to like sort of gin up like st- stuff that right. isn't real. Whereas, so it's not really what I'm ever really looking for. It's more like just the idea that like having time progression in the documentary is something I always really appreciate and enjoy. Like I watch plenty of other documentaries that don't have that that are more like sort of a report or going over like the facts of a case or something right. like that. But right. And this and this one is more it, of a report. Yeah, right? it is. And and those are fine and I like them too. It's just that like with those kind of have to be more invested with the subject than I do with the ones that have a sort of time progression. Because like the time progression ones have that feeling of like, well, even even at worst comes to worst, I'm spending time with this person or this group of people. Right. Whereas report you're like, well, now I'm reading a book, and I need this book to be a book I'm very interested in reading, in order to read it. Yeah, and it's not, and and Laughing Club's not bad. It's not. I didn't like. I didn't like. It's not right. like so bad. I was like, or, or anything I, like that. It's just. It's. I found it less engaging than the other two. That's all I'm saying. I think. I think Laughing Club because it, Laughing Club essentially functions as like an ad for Laughing Clubs, right? And I, I would have. 
appreciated in exploration of some of the things that were touched on in it, like the uh, dissolution of class difference within the Laughing Club right. seems to be something one person brings up. Obviously, I've already mentioned the function of it as a means of moving past trauma, of getting people back out into the world after after right. a Spending a little bit more time depression. with one of those people or something like that could have been yeah. really nice. There's a lot of things that could have made it a little bit yeah. more engaging that way. For the, obviously, it's um, they are open about the relationship to, uh, to yoga, uh, but this seems much more deeply functioning as a para-religion. Right. Yeah. As yeah. Uh, whereas they are not, they are not establishing a religion. They are not inviting people to leave their churches and temples to be part of <laughs> laughing cult. Uh, but it is still providing a lot of the uh, the same benefits right. as a religious organization well, would. And, and would I would say that you like if there is a sort of strange progression in the movie, it's that like, as you go through the movie, you, I kind of got this feeling of it. Like we were kind of working our way up to seeing it become more and more of that <laughs> as we, you, we were, you know what I mean? we were working up to the reveal that the guy who founded it is evil. Well, uh, kind of like it didn't, it didn't end up going that way, but like, for, fortunately, this isn't a Netflix documentary right. from the past 10 years. Right, but, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I don't like, I don't, like the the person seems very does seem very genuine right, about right, his, right. his goals and everything with this, but like what I mean is like you, the way the movie progresses, the one sort of progression we do get is like when we start, we explain where it came from, and so we start this very like low level. It's just some dudes in a park, and like yeah. we ran out of jokes, and now we're just laughing for laughing sake. All that stuff. I got to hear a joke that actually made me laugh. It's one I've heard before, <laughs> but it still makes me giggle. Um, and then like. We by the time we get to the end, like oh, they call him the guru of laughing or whatever, and, they, and it has a little bit more of a an organized religious right, kind of right, feel right, to right, it. Right, right, right. And so there's this like very low level progression where in there, which like makes you kind of partially because we're all brain poisoned by documentaries from Netflix in the last ten years <laughs> right, and other right. bad. Just there's a whole host of those kinds of documentaries out there now. But like we're like, if this movie were thirty minutes longer. We'd find out that like now he has these private jets that he flies around and like <laughs> right, runs right, cult right, meetings. Right. Like you know what I mean? Like it, you feel like it could go that way. We now we can very easily look and find out that that's not how that all works out in the end. But nonetheless, you get me. that feel. It's just a it's a very low level vibe, but it's there just enough that I'm like, wait a minute, what's yeah? What happens next? Like, and the right. answer is there is nothing. <laughs> the answer is nothing. It, not, not anything dangerous. And again, I think I think exploring any of the individual stories. I am particularly intrigued by the woman who says that her husband had died and she fell into a six-year deep depression. Right. That right. Laughing Club has helped her out of. I am particularly intrigued by the guy who, when we first start talking to him, talks about the dissolution of class differences and how how now the the chief of the police and 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 other local high ups uh ask him how he's doing and they have a relationship and then later it's revealed that his son was killed in a strike right uh or during a strike um and it would be i'm i'm very interested in in his psychological story 
right? Um, in what's not being said, the movie is not as interested is right because the movie the movie has decided to focus on this club and and sort of yeah, yeah. it does kind of and the abs- the absurdities of that club, but also recognizing very quickly that the absurdities of that club are helping. People, right, right, right. Well, and, and that's why, it, 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 and that's where you kind of get into a, a sort of like un, a kind of uncomfortable dichotomy in this particular one is that it does feel like an advertisement for this thing, but also at the same time, it doesn't seem as sort of cynical as an advertisement for this thing would be. Right, 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 it's, right, it's, right It does right. seem to be coming from a, a legitimate place. So you get a really uh, kind of not I wouldn't call it uncomfortable, but a little bit mix of it's like I I do honestly believe probably picking personally picking one person from the people and spending more time with them yeah would have made it a lot more engaging for me like you know still have the same setup at the beginning right the first twenty minutes is this setup and then pick one person and really. Spend the next twenty minutes just dealing, like really digging into like how this person felt slash feels now, things like that. We do that a little bit. We just don't spend that much time with any individual right, uh, right. person. Yeah, and and again, an aspect of that is Nair wanting to show the many different sorts of people, right? Who yeah, are yeah, and I this. get that too, so, right? Like it's like because yeah. like if you pick one kind of person in one situation. You can very easily give the impression that, like, well, this is this is who it's for, and she's trying yeah. to go for a more like broad, like, this is for a lot of different people in a lot of different environments right. and a lot of different situations, uh, and so yeah. I get that, I, I do, it, and it's like, and that's not bad or anything like that. I just, if I, if, if you know, if I had to rank them all, I would have a very specific ranking that's like, well, this is the one that like is my least favorite of the three. I enjoyed them yeah. all. Uh, I would have to say that they seem to go in order from first to like they oddly enough I watch them in chronological order and that is also the that is the order in which I find them most engaging <laughs> to least engaging. I found so far from India to be the one I really was most like heavily yeah. engaged with. I found Indian cabaret good and very interesting to well, watch. Uh but well, as, a as someone engaging. as someone who has immigrated to Well, that's part a country right? I have a bit not of their a, birth, bias. I think you might yeah. Well, it's not. It is okay to relate to a story because right, of your exactly. own life experiences. Yeah, I mean, so. and, and I don't relate perfectly. Like, I'm not trying to bring other people. Right. I don't mail money home. I've never had that situation. But like, well, Pat, maybe maybe you should. And if you're looking for someone, uh, yeah, right, right. I, just hey, hey. I got bad news yeah. for you about the exchange rate there, Adam. This would be a bad deal <laughs> oh, for no. both of us. Oh um, no. Yeah. So like. Anyway, the thing about but the thing about it is right is that like. The parts that aren't about money are extremely relatable, right? Like that experience that you watch him go through what it's like to go home. When And honestly, you don't have to have immigrated to go through that. The reality of the matter is, is that that's a that's a universal feeling that like, well, once you like there's no going home, right? Like you go home, but you're not you're not you're not 15 anymore. You're not like in your parents house living with your parents anymore like. Going home is a strange experience, and the longer you are away, and the more separated your life has become, the more intense that's felt. Right? Like, you know, when I go home, it's a pretty intense experience. Like, this is a very happy and comfortable place, but it's also most certainly not my home. Right. And right. and then you start to and you, you know, so you go through a lot of emotions there. 
and we get yeah. to, and so it's very easy to read. Like the emotions are very easy to read. The, the, the women in Indian cabarets emotions are also extremely easy to read, right? Like they're yeah. all doing the thing that we like every basically every human being on earth has to do, which is like, yeah, survive, right? Like you just have what? to like f- fucking fight and try to survive, right? But yeah. One very interesting aspect of India Cabaret to me that I learned from from the introduction that Nier gives, um, that as I said, they're all on the Criterion Channel, right. too. Um, and her her introduction seemed to be filmed much closer to today. Right. Than, uh, yeah, I wasn't I able don't to know watch when them because from, but, of things that yeah. happened this week that made things really tenuous. <laughs> like, we was not even 100% yeah. sure we were going to record this morning. Right, right, right. Um, but an interesting aspect that comes up in the Indie Cabaret one is that uh, she lived with the dancers uh-huh. in their apartment for four months. Uh-huh. And she lived in the house of that patron, the second half of the film focuses oh. on, for, uh, I think I, I think she says about six weeks. Um, so she is really on the ground right. and embedded in their lives. Uh, and there is, there is certainly an aspect of, uh, documentary theory that we've talked about previously where that would be a big breach. Well, debatable, right? But, because with the anthropology and stuff, we go through this all the time, right? There's, there's, right, there's right, right. The, you know, yeah. And, and documentary theories work the same way, right? Where it's like, well, right. there's benefits and downsides to Every right. style of engaging with your with the subjects of a of a documentary, right, right, and she's not, you know, um, thinking about the Maisleys and Great Gardens. Um, I at no point do I feel like Nair is is exploiting <laughs> right, her right, subjects yeah, no, it's in any manner. Right? The Great Gardens yeah. is, is very explicitly like feels Great Gardens more than almost any documentary we've ever watched feels like the like the the was it like the ancestor of modern reality television it's like i'm gonna show up in this place i'm just gonna stir up trouble i'm just gonna keep stirring up trouble (laughs) to get like good footage right we we talked about that at the time you don't get the impression that nair's doing that but like she's asking questions and asking and questions can be provocative right like questions can cause in and of themselves a stir right right but also living with them is the only way is very clearly the only way she was ever going to get them to be that comfortable talking to her Right. right like they're the 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 women in this movie are are very comfortable sharing their experiences and feelings and one has to realize that they would not be that way with somebody who just randomly showed up at their door that's not going to happen 100 percent um it's very funny in the introduction too she talks about you know she met with she decided she wanted to make a movie about uh about strippers um she didn't want to make a movie about prostitutes because she thought that had already been done right um so she wanted to make a make a story about the cabaret dancers and uh so she was doing research and met with them and lived with them uh but then when the rest of her crew came her or you know her her two male uh counterparts uh cameraman and and producer or whatever um she, uh, uh, they basically said, she's like, well, th- these are men. Uh, so I don't know, uh, you know, I don't want you to be uncomfortable by, by them being around to talking to the, to the dancers. 
He's like, oh, yeah, well, they're they're white guys, so they might as well be eunuchs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're very funny people. Um, and that's, you know, she frames it as as them making a joke right. and, and them being very funny people. But obviously we see that in the movie, right. too. They are, they are just very engaging and compelling and, and funny women. Um, I really... <laughs> I love, um, I, again, cannot remember their names, and I apologize for that, uh, but the, uh, the one, we very much have two full stories right. between them, right? We've got one who feels like she can't go home and uh, is frustrated at times right. uh, in, her, in her life. And we have the other who introduces herself as, as there are some cabaret dancers are good, some are bad, uh, but among the bads, I'm number one wicked. <laughs> yeah, 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 she, yeah. It's beautiful. But then she's the one who ends it by getting married and leaving. Right. right? Yeah. That's the end of the end of her story in this documentary is that she she gets out despite her being the one who brags about how good she is and how much money she makes and how many men she sleeps with. She's the one who leaves and she's able to leave because she has been so good and slept with so many men and right. made so much money. Right. You know, that's part of how she can get out and part of why her uh, employer does not want her to get out. Because right. Yeah. She's made him yeah, a lot that, of money. That, too, that, that part is for very, sure. is very, um, yeah. <laughs> it like, well, like I knew it was coming, but it was also like, I was waiting for right. it to happen. Right. Where he's like, well, he he works so hard to try to talk her out of leaving. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember which one of them says it, but there was an incredibly poignant line in the middle of it that said, "If the viewer doesn't feel shame, why should the viewed?" Right, is, right, right. <laughs> like it is just a a whole philosophy encapsulated. Right. Well, it's it's very good. Well, and it, and that's a I mean we don't spend a lot of time with the with the like clientele, but like we do spend some time with them. Um, well, we we spend a good chunk of time with one right, guy. Yeah, yeah, at least, yeah. Right. Well, he's but. kind of special because like he he has a like that he's almost a very specific kind of story. Like what I mean is like when we talk about him, he doesn't necessarily feel like an aberration, but he feels like a like Nair wanted to focus on this kind of like interest. I don't know. I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to go for. Because when he we see, does when feel we like see, a weirdo, right? That's what I'm kind of <laughs> going with this, right? Like when yeah. we talk about the other one, like when we meet with the other customers very briefly, they seem to be experiencing a pretty a pretty notable amount of both shame and then that sort of like they have to talk themselves out of their shame. You know what I'm saying? Like right, they're doing right, that right. thing where they're justifying themselves actively on camera, which does tell you like they're, they definitely do experience shame for what they're doing. They've just decided to do it anyway. I still don't think the viewed should experience any shame whatsoever. That doesn't change that right. fact, but like right. they are there. It is just fascinating because we do actually see them sort of like talk themselves like actively with beer in their hands. Like, run through the thing they maybe would tell their wives if they had to have this conversation or something like that. This right, sort of like, right, right. It's very fascinating. I, I always find that kind of thing on doc yeah. in movies and documentaries very right. fascinating to watch. Whereas the client we follow is a very middle-class man who seems obsessed with the cabinet and cabaret. Yeah. Spends all of his time uh, 
chasing women and his wife happily well uh, i mean i think she's quotes. yeah i mean she's accepted like this is this is yeah. this is going to be like it, uh, it's it Lip. is yeah right. he he the reminds wife. me of in he reminds me of a kind of person i've met here and other places where like he's kind of made a a very specific hobby of this lifestyle i don't, I don't know like it, it it reminds me kind of like you you see dudes here who who have these kind of have maybe i almost call them like otaku like in in, in yeah. japanese like well society like this sort of about this thing right I think he feels like someone who would exist in some of the 60s Japanese movies we've seen. Yeah. Not not an Ozu, probably. No, no, no. Uh, no not this overt. But <laughs> but we've seen we've seen characters in Ozu films I think that that sort of get close to him yeah, I mean, in different and, and, ways. And, and, and so it's definitely touching on a thing that is is a real part like I mean Yeah. I mean this guy's getting beyond like the sort of all the sort of sex adjacent stuff and things like that. He's also getting something out of it. Like it's doing something right. in his head that makes him feel good about himself. Um, right, right, right. And his relationship with with women apart from his wife uh, is not just these cabaret women. It is all, you know we go on a drive with him and he talks about the red light district and and right, the, right. and the cheapest women he can get. Uh, you know. Um, it is interesting. The, you know, the the family she focuses on in in looking at a client uh, is really indicative when the dancers start talking about how the life of a housewife is not better than their lives. Right. It's not. Uh, they have more freedom in their lives than this woman has. Certainly. This woman exists to serve her husband and his her husband's family, right? Um, and you know her father in law is particularly egregious in his <laughs> patriarchal views, right? Right. Um, but but her husband is just less verbal, right? He has right. all the same views. He's just, right. just just whenever he's asked about him, he sort of just shrugs and says it is how it is um, instead of actually saying well women should serve their men right outright um but yeah it's just it's it's a really interesting character study on uh yeah on just on interesting people you know they they really yeah. are just interesting people a longer documentary a documentary more intent on a a through line of plots might want us to see deeper tragedy than we're seeing. Yeah, right? and I I think that that and, and yeah, and I and I wonder if that's also part of our sort of like Netflixy documentary brain poisoning to a certain like yeah, you're right, it would. And then, but at the same time, you get in this sort of thing where it's like, like at what point does the 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 author start? injecting viewpoints right like actively saying like well this is a tragedy like yeah i mean we do hear tragic i mean like in the first part we hear tragic story i mean the second part has it is obviously has a tragic story to it too right but like 
Right, right, uh, right. But, like, in the first part, you know, we we hear tragic stories that are really quite heartbreaking about, like, um, you know, how some of them ended up, where you know, in this place in this time right. that they're not that they may be or may not be happy with um, yeah. and about how their neighbors treat them yeah exactly and yeah there's definitely tragedy yeah. there but i think in choosing not to make that the the whole heart and soul of the thing you're the, it avoids some of that like where now you're moralizing right now you're now you're right making decisions about what is or is not right because as soon as you say yeah. like this is a tragedy and you start focusing on that well, now you have to. People feel like a need to like assign blame about like yeah. whose tragedy is this and who's the, in, the cause of it. In none of these three films, does Nair feel like she's moralizing? No. But certainly, India Cabaret is a political film. Oh, absolutely. What what I mean though is is that it feels it feels a little bit more. It absolutely is a hundred percent. Well, they and they all are <laughs> like. Uh, yeah, I mean, Indian cabaret yes. is more so for <laughs> sure. But you know, so far from India, there's an entire socio-economic thing lying around in the background of that movie that is the the motivation and and reasons for all these things happening. Right? Indian cabaret is just a little bit more out in front. Right? It's like more right in your face because of like the nature of like the fact that like you know, anytime you show people who are doing jobs because you have to do a job to survive and especially jobs that are in some way you know looked down upon by society or something like that you you know you're it is yeah it's very political but like what i mean is like there's a difference between a film being political and a film being moralizing in the sense that like right right nair obviously has a reason and and because she's a human being she has biases and she has a, a thing she wants you to take away from it but I don't feel like she's – I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't feel like she's doing that thing, like, probably mainly because it doesn't have a ton of narration telling you, like, what, why this is bad or why this is good or something like that. But you're, to a certain extent, as a viewer, allowed to co- draw your own conclusions from the film, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, obviously – you should look at this film and there's only really like the conclusions are pretty like straightforward, but like nonetheless, like you're, you're not told what to, to kind of come right. away from it with. Yeah. I mean, this is, I say this is a overtly political film because it is overtly feminist. Film, right. Right. Um, and it's much more feminist than either of our other words. Oh, absolutely. Like, no, yeah, for sure. And, and, and you can tell that like Nair has a lot of like, like she has a lot of investment with all three but like there's there's a lot i mean obviously you tell the story of like the setup for this movie there's a lot of investment there like yeah a lot of personal emotional investment in making this happen but to do that yeah but the through line of all of them is about rejecting what is seen as traditional conservative indian values right right right. the laughing is its own rejection Mm -hmm. of uh, common values. Certainly, the cabaret dancing is, and the the moving to New York is a. Uh, it becomes more common, uh, but even as late as Monsoon Wedding, twenty years after this, uh, well, fifteen years, we're still in experience where 
uh, immigrating to America is a push and pull between separate right, cultural right. elements, right? Right, and and yeah, and, and monsoon wedding definitely is as we talked about. Like it, it has that element about about the sort of place of traditional values versus you know sort of yeah. more modern uh, cultural ideas. It's a, a major hallmark of that mo- that movie, and and yeah, these all three have it, and they all are just kind of approaching them for that that same topic from different sort of different angles, right? Like, mm-hmm. which kind of person in the society are you talking about, uh, and their sort of engagement with those values, uh, right? Yeah, and and in that, an underlying question of what kind of country does India want to be, right? Right. Uh, because I think she is asking those broader questions. Certainly in Monsoon Wedding, she is. Right. Uh, and as much as these works feed that, it's similar questions. It is taking a look at the culture she grew up with and showing where it has issues and showing where it has conflict and talking about those conflicts, um, which is what a good documentary should do, right. certainly, uh, and is where a documentary is different from normal everyday conversation right, right yeah so. yeah i think yeah yeah for sure and i i, I calls to mind like last week when we did monsoon way we were talking about these documentaries and like what we i you know we kind of mentioned lightly the idea like well I'm, I'm excited i was excited to see she clearly has some thesis statements in monsoon wedding that right. that are in line with things that we would want to talk about and think about we didn't hit all of them because Monsoon Wedding had a lot of ideas in it. Monsoon Wedding has a <laughs> right, lot right. of there's a lot of fucking content in that movie, okay? But it did this this these series of documentaries. Now, now, mind you, these documentaries predate Monsoon Wedding, but it it goes to show that it, it emphasizes to me how much Monsoon Wedding is supposed to be a sort of slightly more commercial and like accessible version of the things. That those things she was talking about in there are very much present in the documentary. That like these are topics that she it Monsoon Wedding isn't just a fluke. It isn't just like those things aren't right. in there just by happenstance on accident. Right, right. We now have evidence to support this is a thing that Nair is personally engaged yeah. with throughout at least the first half of her career, because we haven't engaged with any of her the second half of her career. Yeah. But like she she in the introduction particularly talks about Laughing Club being an inspiration to actually film Monsoon yeah. Wedding. I can see um, that. And one aspect of it is that while she was shooting Laughing Club, she thought about how much she wants to shoot uh, Bombay in the rain. Right. Um, right. Or, or, um, or whatever city she was in. Uh, how, how, how the beauty of the monsoon that she wanted to capture on film. And, and that's obviously something that doesn't happen in Laughing Club, but is something that Right. Well, yeah, it literally I mean, yeah, happens that's a in sort of a wedding thing, right? <laughs> yeah. She's there right. and yeah. Yeah. And and, and yeah. you can kind of get it because yeah, you're right in the sense that like monsoon wedding has that sort of has an air of joyful hopefulness. Yeah. That that you get from laughing club that isn't not it isn't not in the other two. Right. But there's clearly a more a sort of positive pro- a progression of sort of a more positive outlook, right? As we go along, there is there. the the other dancer, the one who does not get married at the end of uh, India Cabaret, 
is, you know, that whole time on the train, the visit to her family is, you know, she talks about how she's not comfortable going home. Right. Um, and they're not comfortable coming there to, to where she lives. So in taking this job, she has essentially, uh, divorced herself from her family. Um, and that's, you know, there's tragedy there. Right. And there's tragedy that one of them leaves at the end and finds a, a different path that, you know, she, not the one who gets married, obviously, the other one really does feel stuck. Right, yeah. Um. And, you know, with as much as the movie being about these are women who are making active choices to do this. They are, uh, living a life that if they weren't doing this, it would be impossible for them to live as single women, basically. Uh, that, that, you know, as, as the, uh, the other woman's father-in-law says, uh, uh, single women are basically nothing (laughs) as far as traditional, traditional culture goes. Um, so they have eked out a life, um, and thrived in a life, mm. but it is still a life that has taken an emotional toll on her. Right. Not, not necessarily because of the work she is doing, but, but, but how, how that, that work is but the perception of that work, society and culture in general. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting thing because Nair doesn't deal with it a lot, but, like, you get into this thing where, like, it, it is kind of about the idea, too, that, like, you make active choices, and these are women making active choices, but, like, by na- by nature of the societies we're in, the active choices we can make are inherently hemmed in, right? Like, right, right. You're like, it's not freedom. Yeah, you don't, you don't, so long as this system, and this is, I don't know that this is Nair's thesis exactly, but like it's ours, which is like, so long as this system continues and operates the way that it does, your freedom is, 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 well, there, you know, is relatively restricted, right? Like relatively confined to a series of choices of how you're going to survive, right? Like, listen, the, the end of, uh, the end of the first one. Uh, obviously, culturalizes it in a in a way that uh, suggests that the speaker thinks there is some internal truth within the United States and India. Uh, but what she says, stripping away that culturalization, what she says sets up a dichotomy between making money and being humane. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That I think is yeah. true. I mean, she, yeah, you're right. Yeah, she uh, definitely is like, yeah, saying like, well, this is, you know, there's definitely a certain amount of like sort of cultural chauvinism to it. But, but yeah, yeah in the end, it's like, yeah, you have a choice here. And, and, but you don't have a choice. That's the thing. You don't actually have that right. choice, right? Because you can't choose the one. Because the one results in you dying alone and hungry on the street because that's the society that we exist in, right? Like you, you can't choose the one because the one doesn't, doesn't exist as a choice. I I recently read a book called The Care Collect, The Care Manifesto. It's by a group of uh, writers who call themselves the Care Collective. Uh, and I I did I have a YouTube show where I talk about books I've read right. and and I talk about this one on it. Uh, so I don't want to rehash all of it, but one argument they make uh, that sort of 
uh, adds well to what we're saying here. One argument they make is that the society we find themselves in, and they lay it firmly uh, in what they call um, uh, liberal capitalism, um, neoliberal capitalism. And I don't, I think we have a tendency to, in our current age, uh, limit our understandings of uh, neoliberal capitalism is not especially unique. It is just the current iteration. Um, so blaming all of current society's failings on neoliberal capitalism, uh, instead of recognizing the underpinnings of what neoliberal capitalism grew out of right, as also right. problem <laughs> problems, uh, is one of the faults I find with the book. But anyway, the argument they make that I do stand by is that the society we live in, uh, does not allow us to be caring. Right. To one another that we don't have the resources the time the energy because of capitalism to care for one another beyond ourselves and hopefully our family right yeah at uh, best right that yeah. we are at best that we are by the nature of the system at odds with our community right and at odds with other people within our community and without making conscious choices to rebuild a system where we care about one another and have the capacity to care about one another, uh, well, we're <laughs> we've all gone to shit if we can't do that. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. For sure. Like, yeah, that's a very yeah. yeah reasonable. So they are they are definitely making an argument about humaneness versus capitalism that. Uh, that the woman in So Far From India is sort of accidentally making at the end. Well, and, and I through. think that, well, accident, like accidentally in like air quotes, right? Because the fact of the matter is, is that like the, that's where we get into that. Funny, is, like, when you talk about is like. Is making um, without drawing deeper conclusions. Right, right, right. I will say it that way. Yeah. Like yeah. What, where I was kind of going with this is this thing that we, we've, that you can see people talk about. Like you don't actually have to read theory to, it isn't very hard. It's not right. a big thing to look at what's going on and be like, well, this is all fucked. This is real bad. Like the problem yeah, is, yeah, is a lot like, of a lot of the base theories of of leftist thought are are pretty intuitive. Yeah, just it's like you look around. at this and go, boy, this is not good. The issue is, is that we we spend so much time of our lives being indoctrined to draw the wrong conclusions. Like the system right. has to work very, very hard in our lives as we grow up convincing us to draw the wrong conclusions from the data presented to us. Right. It's 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 the whole function of the system, right? Like our a huge part of our education is dedicated to the idea of convincing people that like 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 4. Because right. anybody with a brain looks at this and goes, "Well, this is bad. We should change this." Only somebody who's been specifically taught to draw the wrong conclusion will look at this and go, "This is bad." This is how it ought to be. <laughs> like this is this is all right. everything operating normally. Uh, it, it it takes a lot of work to make people draw the wrong conclusion. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Like, and that's and that's you know within India Cabaret, we have one dancer who very much loves what she's doing, but is using it as a means to get away from this sort of work right. too. And we have one dancer who maybe doesn't love what she's doing. And maybe this is the only way she can right. make the money yeah. 
to not be in the village, and once she's left the village, she can't go home. Right. Yeah, she's she's stuck at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. It is a political film, but it's a political film that is not necessarily saying one particular thing about freedom of sexuality. Uh, it is saying deeper things about cultural structures right, right. too, right? Uh, yeah. So, I I also watch them in chronological order, um, and I'm not sure I'd rank them quite the same as you did. Well, uh, again, each person, I I I don't disagree that Indian one, Cabaret is 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 extremely good. It's just that like, yeah. When it comes down to it, like, I found that most personally resonant. And I think that's the way it ends up working out, right? Is that, like, yeah. you're going to have the thing that, like, really personally re- – like, obviously, it will – different people will have different <laughs> right, experiences right, 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 with right. these sorts of things. I – I did also. I I think my field is probably tighter than yours too, because I really did enjoy the Laughing Club of India. Uh, uh, I did again. I didn't dislike. I'm not. I'm, Club of India. Right. Just, right. I'm not. I'm not accusing you of disliking it. I just think. I think your third place is a little more distant than my third place maybe, on yeah, it. That's probably true. <laughs> um, uh, I I was more intrigued by it than you seem to have been, but mm. uh, <laughs> I do love that. Laughing Club has enumerated the number of of different types of laughter that they have right, identified. Right. 23, 23 types of laughter. Um, I I missed a very important aspect of uh, near talking about her inspiration for the Laughing Club. I talked about getting stuck in traffic and the two thousand women, uh, but she introduces that aspect of it as I looked out the window and saw a sight Fellini would have killed for. Uh, which is a great line yeah. <laughs> of of these 20,000 women standing in the middle of the street blocking traffic and just guffawing at one another. Uh, that is, that is, is pretty uh, good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and she's right. <laughs> it is, it right. does feel like something Fellini would have killed for, too. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, I think we can probably draw this to a close, uh, unless you have anything particularly no, uh, no, I, I think biting we, at you to say. I, I think we covered it pretty well, especially when yeah. you consider, like, just, I mean, the films are not, we talked about before we started, like, how kind of disparate they are, but they also aren't. Right. It's, it's, there's definitely a through line there, and that carries through the monsoon wedding, but, like, it, they are, they're still also very different things, so. Yeah. I'm very glad that Criterion included them yeah, on this too. disc, uh, because they are they're good watches they're yeah they were all very good uh so this week we've been talking about so far from india from 1983 india cabaret from 85 and the laughing club of india from 2001 all directed by mirror uh next week we'll be talking about the four uh fiction films also included on the dvd the day the mercedes became a hat from 1993 uh uh, September 11th, which is an anthology film in her segment, India, right. from that, from 2002, Migration from 2007, and How Can It Be from 2008. So all but one of those post-Monsoon Wedding. Uh, only the day the Mercedes became a hat is pre-Monsoon Wedding. So obviously we will not see the same inspirations for Monsoon Wedding as we saw. But um, I'm interested. Well, we get in... to see more like how this stuff carries out going forward, right? Like all these, I- right? Obviously, we're we're essentially taking a tour through her career because 
I don't think right. we encounter her again I, later. Unfortunately, no, there is not. There's not nothing else we'll see from Miranir, uh in the Criterion Collection so far. Um, she does have some other work and some some more mainstream work too. Uh, that might be interesting to take a look at. Well, it might but, be end up being a bonus or something like that later on. Maybe. Yeah. I, 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 it's just they, they've decided to do that thing. I mean, we've encountered this before where they're like, okay, well, we're just going to pack an entire career into this, <laughs> right, into right, this right. one DVD set. Yeah, um, it is, it is, it is unfortunate when we get that from directors where we would really be interested in seeing more right, work from yeah, them. Absolutely. Uh, and unfortunately, Criterion does do that a couple of times. Uh, and it is so much that we are dedicating three episodes to everything that is included on this single DVD. Right, which was definitely, so, is definitely the wise choice because yeah. I, it, it would have been a, a real damn shame to like try to smash this all right, into one right, episode. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely detrimental uh, to, uh, to shove all of this together and talk about monsoon wedding and all three of these documentaries, even let alone four other works. Right. So, uh, but yeah, look forward to finishing that up with those four works next week. Thank you so much for listening to lost and Criterion. I'm as always the dumb glass with me as always, John Patrick Otar Dorgan, and we'll see you next time. Austin Criterion. I'm your co-host Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My partner is John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and you can find him at J Patrick Dorgan. Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at jonathanhape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.